Broadcasting from the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia to around the globe. You're listening to Shark Bite Biz, your exclusive place for business strategy, sales, marketing, and tech in the roaring 20s. And now, here's your host, David Strausser. Good day, it's time for another episode of Shark Bite Biz with yours truly, David Strausser. So thank you all so much for tuning in. Really excited to have everybody watching this episode. I did want to track back, though, to episode number one. Now that it's officially launched and available everywhere, I did notice that... I skipped over some very important info about my experience with Vision 33. What I forgot to mention is that I was kicking so much butt as a sales rep for them, literally doing millions of dollars a year in revenue, that I was able to move up the ladder and I got promoted to become the general manager of the Northeast region for Vision 33. So this means my specialty isn't sales anymore. I still sell. I have a sales team. But I have to actually see through what my sales team actually sells to ensure clients get their solution delivered on time and on budget. I'm managing everything now. It's really cool. Uh, But the most gratifying part about this experience is that I really get to help small businesses grow. I help them unchain the barriers that are preventing them from growing bigger. And I I gotta tell you, there is nothing more satisfying than that to me. Speaking of growth, It's been really, really hard to grow businesses during the pandemic. Now that some things are starting to reopen, though, there are a ton of legal questions people have. Things like, can I force customers to wear masks? How do you protect yourself legally with both your clients and your employees? What if there's a breakout at your business? Are you liable? We're going to be talking about these topics and much more because there are a ton of questions business principles have right now as we start to reopen the country. So today's guest is going to walk you through a bunch of these topics with me. Elizabeth Yang is the founder, CEO of the Law Mediation Offices of Elizabeth Yang, which specializes in family law, intellectual property, business law, and estate planning. So what do you say? How about we bring her in and let's start talking with Elizabeth. Business strategy. Hey, Elizabeth. Welcome to Shark Bite Biz. Uh, Good friends over the last couple years and I'm so excited to have you on. Um, I think a, a good place to start would be, why don't you tell us a little bit about you, your background, and you know some of the things that your business does to help out other businesses. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks so much for having me on, David. It's a pleasure to be here. 
Um, so I am a uh, an attorney in Southern California, and uh, I specialize in family law, business law, intellectual property, and also estate planning. And uh, we have offices throughout Southern California in LA County and Orange County. During uh, the you know last few months uh, of uh, you know what's been happening, um, we've been seeing an increase in family law with a yeah. lot of couples wanting to get divorced. You know they they realize they either um, get along really well or they can't stand each other. And <laughs> so, in yeah. a nutshell, you know that's what we've been handling. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of funny how like quarantine <laughs> pushes that stuff together to happen like that uh, which is uh, you know funny that you mentioned that because uh, we just interviewed James Shea from Cybertegic and apparently I guess you actually use his services and he was explaining to us the the you know analyzing the data analytics finding the points and he was basically explaining how like it was decided after analyzing the data that like, hey, you should kind of shift over to this for right now because it's going to be hot for you. And it sounds like it worked out for the past couple months. Oh, totally. Yeah. James's company, Cybertegic, has been amazing. So, you know, during the last few months, we've really had to pivot our marketing. Um Pre-COVID, um, we, we've had to, um, we, we did a lot of advertising on mm -hmm. restaurant placemats, for example. Um, and now that all the restaurants are closed, Ooh, yeah. obviously we had to cancel all those placemats. Pretty much everything has been shifted to online. So James, uh, he, he he's a certified Yelp vendor. And yeah. so I try to do Yelp ads myself <laughs> at one point, and I was just getting a lot of clients that weren't even relevant to what I do. I got a lot of PI clients, for example, and immigration right. clients. Yeah. yeah, so it was like a waste of time and money. And after I shifted to James's services, we've been getting so much, you know, relevant uh, clients and family law. That, that's great. I want to just ask you one side topic on the marketing aspect for your business. Um, what I see here, restaurant mats, advertising and that, I think old school when I'm, you know, at a restaurant with my parents sitting there waiting to be done and I'm bored waiting for the food. And it's like, oh, okay, I guess I can draw with crayons on this. And I remember those restaurant mats. Did you actually get good results from that when businesses were operating? We did, wow. yeah, because just like, you know, you as a consumer, you're bored and what yeah. if there's no reading material, so they actually look at our ads, and That's I feel like crazy. it was a better That's result good. than billboards even. You know, wow. billboards, you drive by, and then you don't really have time to write things down. Some people wow. will, like, take a picture of a restaurant ad or rip it out and save my info, and I got a lot of calls and clients from wow, that. Wow, that, that's pretty crazy, because that's a really old-school technique that is still valid in the Roaring Twenties, so uh, that's, pretty, yeah. that's pretty cool. Now, let's shift gears to talk more about your specialty. After all, that's why you're here, and this lockdown, quarantine, pandemic, whatever you want to call it, uh, has brought a lot of struggles for businesses. Right now, just this week that we're recording this, you're seeing every other article is about a business that has had to throw somebody out because they're not wearing face masks and stuff like that. What type of responsibility does a business have towards that, protecting their customers? And also, could they have legal claims against the person not wearing the face mask? How tricky is this? 
Oh, totally. It, it's a very tricky process right now. And I think all the entrepreneurs and business owners are, it's like a juggling act. You know, they're trying to learn all of the new rules and regulations uh, while trying to keep their employees and clients safe at the same time. So our office right. just reopened last Monday. And um, yeah. even though we're reopened, um, I'm having my employees, um, I'm giving them the choice of working remotely if they mm -hmm. want to or coming into the office. There, there are still folks that feel unsafe coming out at this point. So right. I don't want anyone being uncomfortable. So fortunately, in my field, mm -hmm. people can still perform services for their clients as long as they have a computer. So they're, right. they're, half of them are working remotely and half of them are in the office. But for businesses like mm -hmm. restaurants, right. you know, where, where you have to go in, you can't just, you know, provide that service remotely forever. Um, there's a lot of regulations. So you can take a client's temperature, you know, before they right. walk in, but you have to have someone who's certified and licensed to do so. So right. not anyone can operate that equipment, right? Are and you then, able to deny them entry though? If they say, I, I mean, I understand this may vary state to state depending on laws, regulations and stuff, but in mm -hmm. generally speaking in majority of the states, if someone will not get their temperature taken, you have the right to deny them service in this day and age with this stuff? You do, yes, yeah. because it's all private business. So the business right. owners can make the call on who they want to reject from their, you know, from their restaurant or right. whatever service they're offering. So they, they can make their own rules, but they also have to follow the minimum guidelines that the, the county is requiring, you know, in whatever county they're in. So. Mm -hmm. You know, they have to social distance the six feet. Uh, and unfortunately, like I'm in L.A. County. And <laughs> we just got named the worst county <laughs> in the entire nation. Oh, man. So they've caught thousands of restaurants not abiding by the guidelines. You know, they reopened up. Some of them are just un uncertain what the guidelines are because the guidelines yeah. do vary from mm -hmm. county to county, from city to city. And so if they're unknown, but they just want to open up to start making profit and stop taking a loss, they're just going to do their best. And they found, uh, you know, countless places, countless establishments right. violating guidelines. So on that topic about businesses that are found to be violating guidelines, maybe they're not even found violating guidelines. What kind of liability could they have to either customers or employees that get sick because they did not follow guidelines? I mean, is there risk there as well? Oh, totally. Yeah, it's very risky. You know, um, it's very dangerous because um, if an establishment is the cause of someone getting sick right. um, or getting contaminated, they could be the subject of a lawsuit. And some of these restaurants are barely making it. So if a lawsuit is filed against right. them, they're likely going to just go bankrupt. So um, a lot of PI attorneys, now that the number of auto accident cases and traffic cases have been going down, you know, since people haven't been driving. I could, I could just imagine where you're going with this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're pivoting their, their strategy to wow. helping people who, you know, got sick file cases instead because that's the new personal injury case nowadays right what if a restaurant is doing everything by by the book and i use that loosely because you know 
nobody's perfect. You know, I doubt everybody's going to have everything, you know, all the I's dotted, T's crossed. There, there may be something, but, and, and let's just say they do it as best as they can. Employees or, you know, customers get sick. Do they still have liability there if they're doing their, their best? Well, you know, this is a brand new area in the law, right? And so court systems are handling new cases day by day, right? There's, there's now right. like, you know, court hearings on Zoom for the first time, you know, in the yeah. history of the legal system. And there's now uh, jury trials that are either being done on Zoom or... Okay, okay, hold on. What, what, sorry, jury trials are being done on Zoom. That's what I'm hearing. Wow. I haven't done one personally myself. Wow. But every court system across the nation are trying to accommodate all these changes. There's like battles about whether or not it's okay for jurors to wear masks. Right? right or take off their mask for attorneys to wear masks or or not have masks on it, you know like the law is like a very um it's, it's an area where you have to see facial expression right i was just so, about to say that facial expression is important think if you have somebody on the stand okay nope i didn't uh, do it you know compared to nope i did not do it and he has a huge grin you won't be able to tell um, exactly. That's yeah. important. And attorneys also have to read expressions of jurors. So imagine a person serving jury duty saying, I'm not going to take off my mask. You know, I'm, I, I'm wow. more concerned about my own safety. How are you going to force someone to remove their mask? So there's, right. there's just so many things happening right now. Um, so it all comes down to, um, you know, if a jury is going to think this establishment did the right um, job, you know, follow the right restrict, mm -hmm. follow the right guidelines. If the restaurant can say, you know, I did everything in my power. I provided PPE. I, you know, had mm -hmm. hand sanitizer for everybody. I deep cleaned everything every hour and still someone got sick. The jurors might be more lenient on that establishment if there was a lot. But the point is, is that they could still potentially be sued. Exactly. Yeah. Right. There's so much room for liability right now. So wow. it's, it's a, very risky and scary time for yeah. businesses. That amazes me, though, still with the jury trials via Zoom. That's a, that's a very, very interesting concept. I know I saw the Supreme Court was doing it, I think, through teleconference. Um, I don't think it was yep. Zoom. Uh, so there's a lot of firsts going through this age. And I think one of the good things I see from it, you know, luckily I've been work from home for a very, very long time and uh, I never have to go to the office, hopefully ever again. <laughs> and I love it. But I, I think it's kind of bucked a lot of traditions, you know, a lot of things that we just did because that was the way. And now we're seeing like, hey, a lot of this stuff is actually unnecessary. Employees save time and commuting. They can work from home, they actually work more because they don't have the commute. They'll answer emails or phone calls in the evenings. So there's a lot of, uh, you know, I hope, um, my, my aspiration is that I hope this changes the country for the better after the experience and kind of forces a new way. Uh -huh, yeah, and it's definitely going to change the country in the long term. I don't think this is like a temporary shift. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of companies, like you said, are realizing that their employees can work just as productively and efficiently from home. So a lot of the major corporations are allowing their employees to continue working remotely right. even after the quarantine is over. You know, it's, they're going to save so much money in not just their rent, but large companies sometimes have high cost and just air conditioning alone you know they can like save right. fifty thousand dollars on air conditioning bills right so yeah 
yeah, the technology has really helped, you know, provide all this and make it happen. So I, I think yeah. there's going to be a lot of um, more remote workers in the future. Now, when we're talking about remote workers, though, during this uh, lockdown quarantine period, probably throughout the end of the year for most companies, um, what kind of legal rights would businesses have to ensure that their employees are actually working and productive? Uh, especially if you have, you know, say you have salespeople, okay? They used to work in the office, now they don't, and you can't actually see them. How can you try to verify that without crossing an illegal line? Yeah, yeah. Well, I know there are a lot of apps out there that monitor movement um, on a you know employee's laptop. I myself don't think, you know, yeah, you have that option, but I don't think we really need that. For, mm -hmm. for my employees, for example, um, I feel like if I trust them and yep. just allow them to, you know, perform and with, with as much freedom as possible, yep. they actually end up working more productively because they right. feel trusted. Um, yep. And then also, like, in, in my industry, uh, attorneys bill hours. So, mm -hmm. you know, they, they can work you know however many hours they want they can watch netflix as long as they're they're billing the hours and meeting the yep. billable the bottom line then yeah it's measurable yeah i am the same way with uh most of my team you know doing the implementations out through here we run a, a you know a small team like 15 consultants right now but with them i mean it's easy to tell if they are working aren't working because we could tell by the billable hours the salespeople, though, are the ones that have me wondering, like, hey, are you working? Where are the deals? <laughs> but, um, yeah, ultimately, I, I found as well, too, it does come to the trust aspect of everything and, you know, really just trusting your employee. It's like when you get to a certain level, you shouldn't really have to babysit the employee. Maybe they need coaching or guiding, but you shouldn't really have to babysit them by holding their hand throughout the day. Uh, especially an established position, you know what your duties are, get them done. That's how I do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And sometimes the more a boss micromanages, mm -hmm. the more the employee is going to try to find loopholes and get, yeah. get away with things. Yeah. When they're just free to do anything, like my, my employees have told me that if they're in the office working, they will be out by 6 p.m. You know, that's when our office closes and that's when mm -hmm. they go home. When they're at home, they sometimes will work into 7, 8 p.m. into the evenings because they have nothing else better to do. There's like right. no, no, no deadline, no, no, you know, stop time. <laughs> right, right, right. Exactly. Exactly. Could that open up the opportunity, though, for businesses to have some sort of issue as far as uh, an employee trying to claim like, oh, well, I did all these extra hours in the evening when I was work from home and you guys owe me overtime or things like that. Could that be an issue? Do you think that's a, a limited? Well, for hourly employees, definitely, you know, because hourly employees, they're still is expected to clock in and clock out so okay my early employees they're still clocking and clocking out at the appropriate hours i was okay. talking about the salary right 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 salary attorneys right they, they can mm -hmm. work whatever hours they want yeah so they're the ones telling me that they've seen themselves working later and later into the <laughs> evening and it's by choice right right i get you so what do you think the biggest risk is legally for businesses during this time period as we're hopefully transitioning, although I'm seeing that there's more spikes again, so who knows? But as we transition to getting out of this, to 
a post-quarantine area. What do you think the biggest risks are? How can businesses protect themselves the best? I think the best thing for businesses to do is to keep up with all the information that's going out there. There's a ton of information. And I see myself like sometimes on webinars five or six times a day because right. there's just a lot of new information that we just have to keep up with and continue learning day by day. And it's not over yet. There's going to be new information with the new numbers and the new spikes. You know, they might lock us all down. Right. One more time. That's what's happening in China right now. Right. You know? right. I saw that. I think Beijing, right? Yeah, Beijing's completely locked down for the second time because the numbers spiked again. Yeah. So we got to continue being educated, educated and keep on top of all the information. Mm -hmm. And webinars are like the best way because obviously that, you can't go to classes or anything right that, now. That's great info. So principals in the business, owners, managers, staying actually educated on the subject so that you're up to date what the experts think and feel and are guiding businesses to do is pretty important because without that, I would assume that the business would probably have a lot of liability because they would not be following the proper procedures. Exactly. Yeah. And there's a lot of good information out there, good sources like um, the local chamber of commerce is here in Southern California. Yeah. They have like weekly webinars um, talking about how companies can best go back to work and follow mm -hmm. the correct procedures, you know, because everyone's asking the same questions. So as long as you're keeping up with that and at least making an effort, no one's going to blame you for, you know, making one or two mistakes. Right. Right. Now, what about... Uh debt for businesses, businesses that may have been closed down. I mean, I understand, yeah, probably have to talk with uh, somebody more on the financial side. But from the legal standpoint, I mean, how can they protect themselves so they just don't have to file, you know, bankruptcy or they get, uh, you know, sued by creditors, stuff like that, especially if their businesses were closed? Yeah, well, you know, every every business was encountering all these financial situations when they're not open for business, no mm -hmm. incomes coming in. So fortunately, um, you know, most businesses did get the PPP loan. Right. The second round is still not depleted yet, so there is still money. I think okay. there was like multiple billions of dollars still left in that pot That's for, great. for it to go around. And, you know, if the numbers continue going up and lockdowns are are required uh -huh. the government's probably gonna put more money into that pot to get yeah, to you, business. you would think you know that's one thing i've been thinking about and that kind of worries me these ppp loans really help businesses you know meet things like payroll and stuff like that during the you know most of the lockdown areas but what about the startup capital that they're actually going to need when they open to resupply inventory, keep paying wages, you know, rents, electric, all that stuff. It's going to be a pretty tricky situation, I think, within the next couple months for both the private sector and the government to kind of maneuver to get everything, uh, you know, flowing properly again. Yeah, and I think, you know, the key word right there is maneuvering. You know, if yeah. they continue maneuvering and being adaptable, that's, that's the best way to handle the situation, right? right? If, you know, I have a friend who has an office supplies company and once the quarantine hit, people stopped buying office supplies. So he transitioned into wow. selling masks and PPE instead. Oh, 
Went and That's great. got a new vendor, got had negotiations with someone from China, and now he's making more money than he was before. That's so, great innovation, though. I've heard a couple stories like that. That's great, being able to just maneuver and flip over, like, okay, let's do that. It's kind of like what we were talking about with how James has helped you change your advertising for the family law stuff. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, you realize the opportunity, you saw the data, the opportunity, and you just ran with it. Yeah, yeah. I think there's opportunities out there. You know, the economy is still moving along. You just have to keep up with it and mm -hmm. be like, like Bruce Lee says, be like water. <laughs> and then just flow with whatever, whatever hits you, just flow with it. And right, right, right. be innovative and, you know, don't be stuck with what you did in the past. It's, right. it's a new, it's a new, uh, modern day and new era and we just got to keep up with everything right. that's going on. Right, totally understand. So let's uh, uh, wrap up here. I guess uh, I'll, I'll leave it to you. Do you have any final thoughts you'd want to say? Any any gold nugget pieces of advice for business owners out there? Um, you know, I think don't underestimate the power of webinars. Um, you know, if you have some information to share, just like you know what you're doing right now, David, right. <laughs> you know, sharing all this great information with the world. Yeah. Post webinars is great for marketing mm -hmm. and it's great for audiences to get information. So right now with this new shift in technology, everything's going to be online, you know, like um, dinners, galas, they're all going virtual now. You know, we're, yeah. we're organizing and planning virtual conferences, multi-day conferences well, with yeah, speakers online. That. And there's like limitless possibilities, you know, yeah. they're getting like really um, powerful speakers that you otherwise wouldn't be listening to, but because right. it's on, you know, it's online, those speakers are available. You know, you can, right. you can like watch Tony Robbins right in front of you, yeah. whereas in the live stadium, he's like, you know, three stages away. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, that, that, that's some really good advice. So could you please uh, give us your contact info? Because uh, this show's not only on YouTube, but we also have the audio podcast that's out on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, all that places. How can people get in contact with you? Yeah, absolutely. So my website is yanglawoffices.com. It's my last name, Y-A-N-G, lawoffices.com. And we also have an Instagram page, same handle, yanglawoffices. Okay, that's perfect. Hey, Elizabeth, thank you so much. You're always a wealth of knowledge. I love speaking with you. And I really hope that our listeners got a lot of value out of the advice that you gave us today. Well, thank you so much for having me, David. It was really yeah. a pre pleasure. Oh, thank you very much. Take care. Oh, wow, that was an amazing discussion. We got some excellent insight from Elizabeth in a couple different areas. I think what was most interesting is that we weren't just talking to one of the best legal minds around, but we were actually talking to Elizabeth Yang, small business owner as well. We just heard how her business had to pivot fast to target family law during the lockdowns. We also heard how her business was forced to be digitally transformed at light speed and how she ended up doing it. I'm still totally surprised about the restaurant placements and how good they were pre-pandemic and how she had to use an analytics company to help her decipher the data she had in order to make the shift to family law temporarily. Pretty 
cool, though, that because she made that shift, she was actually able to grow her business during a time that many businesses are contracting. There were some excellent tidbits also about liability. Realistically, I think Elizabeth's advice was you need to be educated. You need to know what are the departments of health saying? What is the CDC saying? Go to webinars, learn as much as you can, and that's going to give you the best protection possible in order to minimize your liability. Remember, though, in most areas, if you have a non-cooperating customer, you have the right to refuse service. You can refuse those customers in most instances, not all. So remember, these are some very tricky waters to navigate. Really, I just hope that this discussion with Elizabeth has given you some sort of clarity and light to help you out with your similar situation as you go through this. So what legal fears do you have during quarantine? Let me know, david at sharkbitebiz.com, or if you're watching on YouTube, Please leave a comment below and let's get this discussion started. Now it's my favorite time of the episode. If you enjoyed today's podcast episode, I'm working very, very hard for you all, growing as a host better and better each episode. Please, please, please make sure you hit the subscribe button on YouTube or your favorite podcast platform. That way, you'll be alerted when the next episode of Shark Bite Biz drops. Once again, I'm your host, David Strauser. I am extremely grateful that you had listened to today's show, and I really hope it helped you all break through whatever's holding you back. Take care, and we'll see you in the next episode. Thank you for listening to Shark Bite Biz. We hope you got some insightful info from this podcast. Be sure to subscribe to us through your favorite podcast app and visit us on the web at www.sharkbitebiz.com. How has business changed for you in the 20s? Email us at podcast at sharkbitebiz.com so you can join us and share your story.